The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. We've got to look to the draft. We've got to look to developing the guys that are currently here and obviously retain as many of these guys as we can. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. Today is Tuesday, April 25th. J.P. Shadrick with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks and Jaguars.com senior writer John Osher. Give us a listen on the podcast page at Jaguars.com or the official Jaguars Podcast Network. That's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods, though you already know that since you're listening to us. Tell somebody else. Why not? Draft week is here at long last, Bucky. The Jaguars will pick number 24 coming up in a few days. Excitement level, where are you? This is obviously a big week for draft analysts and the type. So uh, you got mock drafts going out, your final lists and mocks and all these things. Better get in before Thursday at 8 o'clock Eastern. You absolutely better get in. I'm excited about it. The draft is a great time because it is the official kickoff to next season. And so uh, we have an opportunity. Everyone resets their records at 0-0. Zero and zero. Uh, You have an opportunity to add some players that everyone is going to walk away feeling like this is the missing piece to help their team become uh, a Super Bowl contender. And then shortly after the draft, we got scheduled release. And so it's a good time, JP. It's a really good time. It's fine. (laughs) It's no, it's uh, I I actually, JP, am looking as forward to this draft. I would say more forward because maybe the number one overall pick, there's excitement, there's buzz. Um, But I, I, I think this draft, for the first time in a couple of years, for the people covering the Jaguars in the draft, uh, there's some intrigue to it. Uh, you get that feeling during the first round of not knowing who they're going to pick. I mean, uh, last year, everybody knew Trevor in, in uh, 21. Last year, there was a little bit of intrigue, not quite knowing if they'd really take Trayvon or not. Uh, but you sort of knew the last three or four days that that's where they were going with it. This year is is absolutely wide open. I I have my thought, and I think Bucky agrees on on, on the guy that you feel like they'll pick if they're there. But that feeling, and any feeling when you're picking at 24, uh, that's sort of a self generated feeling. If you will. you sort of talk yourself into it, I think they're going to pick this guy because of of my theories about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that may not be what they're thinking. So the last four or five picks, there is that drama that we've all felt watching this draft unfold. Bucky, there's a lot that happens ahead of the Jags, too. Obviously, they can uh, filter on down or not, and you just kind of have to wait to see a few picks out what's available. Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is what's hard about being in the 20s. You know, the better the team, the more uncertainty when it comes to who you're going to pick because you don't have any control over what happens ahead of you. And so if you're the Jaguars, man, you have to go through all the scenarios. Trent Baalke and staff are doing that, going through all the, the different mock drafts that they can conduct internally. They have to uh, begin to talk about trade possibilities. Uh, if we want to get in range to get this group of players, how high do we think we need to get up? Or how far can we go back and still get um, you know, one of – these two, three players. And so it's a lot of uncertainty, but you know, the guys who are great at manipulating the draft board and working up and down, man, they're excited about this stuff because it's an opportunity really to strategically put yourself in a position to really upgrade and help your team. 
I want to get into the mind of the scout a little bit. Oh, I and, can't wait for this. And the mind of the future GM. Because yeah. I think Bucky will be a GM at some point. Um, oh, no. Uh, no, why not, Bucky? Come on. No, 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 no. Come on, man. That's not my lane. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you've been in draft rooms. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, take me through. I think fans watch the draft uh, one way and observers. But as a GM, uh, when you map out a draft, and I think what I'm getting at is this. Um, when you go into, say, your first round, second round, third round, and I think those are the picks maybe into the fourth round where you think you have a realistic chance at getting guys who are going to fit your team the next year. Obviously, teams very rarely, out of those four picks, they don't pick four centers. They don't pick four DBs. They have sort of a mosaic, a plan for that, if you will. Mm-hmm. And do they have different scenarios? Okay, if we get, say, a Brian Branch or a cornerback round one, then our package of players at two, at three, at four changes based on that. You know what I'm getting at? There's a draft plan that 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 covers the first four rounds, and it's not just pick to pick. You know, it, it, it's almost like a... Uh... Let's let's go prices right. Showcase showdown where you can have a collection of things that, hey, if we walk away with this group where we get, uh, you know, a DB in the first round, an offensive tackle in the second round and an offensive playmaker in the third round. Or would we want it where we get the defensive playmaker in the first like in the first round, the offensive guy in the second round or whatever. A lot of times what you're doing is you're trying to look at supply and demand. Where are the strengths of the draft? Okay, well, if we're saying that the strengths of the draft are in DB, well, let's go and get maybe the offensive tackle early and circle back and get the DB late. There's a lot of those conversations trying to figure out where the clusters of players going to be based on grades. Do you have a cluster of guys like where you have a bunch of guys in the first round that play a certain position, but not as many in lower rounds, or do you have it in reverse? And so a lot of the conversation is about that. How do we strategically attack the draft to put ourselves in the best position to address the needs that we need to uh, get done while taking the best players that are there at each round? Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to reach for a player. You want to make sure that you take a player in the round in which you have them graded in, and you don't want to have to do like funny math to make it happen. Do do, uh, GMs and scouting staffs do actual mocks? Leading into it, do they do their own, or, or does or is that a different philosophy? Do they go that deep into a draft like that, or is it just kind of a first round idea? No, actually, you know, it's funny because um, I've done it a few different ways. I've been with teams that have conducted mocks where a every scout you take a team and we'll just kind of go through it just to see what what it could be like, you know. And then there are other teams that I've been with where they basically mock the mocks, meaning that in the back of the room they had say your your eight most prominent mock drafts and they would list those guys up and what they're trying to do is you're trying to see which names repeatedly come up as first rounders uh which teams are multiply like are connected to the same name multiple times and so from that it's not, it's, it's not exact but you do have an opportunity to kind of begin to like follow the breadcrumbs with some of the team's picks because based on who's doing the mock you have a natural assumption that they've talked to some people. And if you have enough of the people saying the same thing, sometimes you have a feeling that they've gotten good intel and we want to kind of go with those hunches. 
Yeah, I've been around teams, JP, that they'll do several mocks in several different ways like that just to get a feel, uh, sort of a dry run-through, yeah, if you will. Right. Just to get a feel, okay, in in this scenario, when player A was off the board at number three here, then that caused the draft to sort of shift a certain way. And then if this guy went off the board at number three or four, then these teams sort of reacted differently. Now, once it's on the clock, everything changes, yeah. but it's the old thing. You'd mm-hmm. rather have a plan and be able to come off that plan than go in without a plan. That's really important. Like what, what John is talking about, you want to go through it so now when the clock is on and you have your 15 minutes, uh, you're not panicked. It's things that you've already talked about. Uh, you're operating under the if-then model. If these teams do this, then we're going to attack it that way. And so it shouldn't be chaotic in the draft room. It should be following the plan that we've talked about. This is what we discussed. Here's how we're going to attack it. Okay, this happened. Let's go make this move. And so that's how it should be. And so as much as we want to make it like it's the stock market where everyone is yelling and screaming and going crazy, the draft room really shouldn't be that. If it's like that, then you haven't done a really good job preparing leading up to the draft. Yeah, I remember asking Bill Polian the same question, Bucky, about uh, you know a draft day argument or or pounding the table or guys having uh, having words, and he just stared right through me and said, "There should never be arguments <laughs> on, on draft day <laughs> at that moment." And his point was that the, was not that there should never be arguments; they just shouldn't happen on the clock. And if you're doing, so, my question to you is, Bucky, have you ever been around? A draft day argument where somebody is fighting for a guy or 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 is that just sort of a myth? Is that something you see in the movies? Yeah, that's something you see in the movies. Now, I will say in the weeks leading up to the draft, they're very heated discussion. You know, there, there should be a couple of heated discussion because you got to advocate for your guy. If I'm a guy representing the West Coast and I fall in love with a player from USC and I feel like he's not getting his just due. Well, my job is to advocate for him to tell Everyone, the powers that be, no, this is why this guy could come in and help us. Here's how he could play. Here's how we could use him. Here's the background. This is why I feel so strongly about him. And then other people may refute that, but my job is to have an opinion, to support that opinion, and to really go toe-to-toe with everyone in the room regarding that opinion. But you also have to know when to back down. And when you make a decision, the decision is a team decision. So if they don't like your player, you kind of have to chalk it up. But a lot of times, man, you leave the room kind of grumbling and mumbling to yourself and you kind of heated. And so you have some of those things. But that makes it good, though. That's what it's supposed to be. Like it it should be passionate um, discussions in that room. But then you got to be able to get past it because ultimately you're trying to do what's best for the team. Register now for the 2023 Duval Draft Party at Daly's Place, presented by Donovan Air Electric and Plumbing. It's this Thursday at 7 o'clock, free for all fans, live draft analysis, onstage appearances by head coach Doug Peterson and selects Jags players, including quarterback Trevor Lawrence, scheduled to appear. You must register to attend, though, jaguars.com slash official draft party, and we'll see you Thursday night. In a moment... Who Bucky Brooks picked in his final mock draft before the 2023 NFL draft? And GM Trent Baalke has narrowed the players' list down. We'll get a number after this on the Huddle Up Podcast. 
Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. The Jaguars are locked in for 2023. The thrill of a win and electricity of the fans make game day at the bank an experience like no other. So join your friends, family, and fellow diehards and become a Jag season ticket member. The fun is here, and you don't want to miss out. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000 and buy today. Well, let's hear from General Manager Trent Baalke at the pre-draft luncheon last week. It's an annual tradition where the coach and GM speak with the media. Their last real public uh, out uh, public conversation with the media before the NFL draft. And among many things, Trent Baalke discussed the amount of players they truly are considering at number 24 overall and beyond. You know, we have a specific way we set up the board. So, well, it sounds like 127. There's, there's more numbers baked in there. Those are the 127 that we really feel fit the culture we want and fit the value that we have placed on them. And really, uh, you know, all the stars align. There's other, there's other fallbacks that we would go to. But really, we're picking from 127. Well, 127 players that uh, fit, every, that, that, as the British would say, mm-hmm. tick every box. Um, you know, those are the perfect guys for the organization. I don't know if they'd ever admit otherwise if they picked a guy. Hey, he wasn't on our 127 list. But you got to narrow it down somehow, right, Bucky? No, like, that's great. I'm actually surprised that he shared uh, as much info as he shared about how many guys are on the board. But... What is common is about 125 is about the number that most teams operate on. Some guys that go up to 150. I've been on teams that had way too much, like uh, 220 something. So if you can imagine going to your favorite restaurant and seeing a menu that is just like packed with all kinds of options, it's like going to the Cheesecake Factory. You can't order there. It's unbelievable. Right. It's unbelievable. So what you would like to do is you would like to have something that that is smaller condensed tighter so maybe like waffle house right because i normally would tell you in and out but like waffle house (laughs) absolutely something very small you know exactly what you're getting you know what you want or whatever and so when he talks about guys that fit the culture um a lot of what gets lost on my side when it comes to kind of presenting opinions to the tv world and to the public is like oh like grading for the league is one thing but grading for a team is different and so what trent is talking about is not only how a player fits like in terms of his playing style, size, dimensions, physicality, scheme usage, how a team would kind of plug him in and play him. Hey, what kind of character does he bring? What is his uh, football intelligence? What are his instincts like? What's his background like? What is his work ethic like? Does he love it or does he just like playing it because of all the things that the football, that the game can bring for him? At the end of the day, you want guys that love ball because it's hard. It's hard to win games in this league. There's a lot of commitment that's required, a lot of work that's required. And if you don't have the right guys, it doesn't work. And so last year, particularly coming off of the way the team kind of bonded last year, you want to be real hesitant about, real selective about who you bring into that locker room because you kind of have a special thing going. You don't want to bring in guys that don't fit the the culture because all it takes is one or two guys to mess up the good chemistry that you have flowing. And so that's why I think, if anything, uh, the Jaguars are going to be very, very shrewd uh, when it comes to looking at the players that they want to bring in. And everybody's not going to be a great fit. And so they have to be confident enough to move on and say that it is more important to have the right people on the bus 
than having a team of just very, very talented individuals, but the chemistry isn't, isn't right. Now, Bucky, I, I had a reader this weekend misunderstand, I think, what Trent said. 127 players doesn't mean that those are the only players that Trent Baalke thinks can play in the NFL in this draft, meaning it's not like once the 127 guys at the top of the draft are gone that there's no player in the fifth or sixth round that the Jaguars think can contribute. It's the 127 sort of scattered throughout the draft in all rounds mm-hmm. in the groupings mm-hmm. that I, that I, that our teams talk about like that, correct? It is correct. And so if you can imagine, like you guys have those TV screens right behind you. So if you can imagine horizontally, what you do is you have them all ranked by position. So if we break out the positions going from left to right, uh, you have quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive tackle, guard, center. Then you have defensive end, defensive tackle. You have linebacker. Uh, it can be inside and outside. Then you have cornerback, nickel, and safety. So that's how it's like, kind of like categorized from left to right. Then in each of those respective categories, you'll have your players ranked from whatever, 1 to 25 or by round value. Then on a sideboard, you may have all the players ranked from 1 to 127. Regardless of position, here's the vertical 127. And so that 127, you should just be picking guys from that that pool. And so I know people will think, like, well, what if all the guys are gone? In history, it's never been a situation where all your players have been gone. Because you got to remember, there's 31 other teams that are ranking guys based on their own set of criteria. And every draft board is like a snowflake. The Jaguars board looks vastly different than the Titans board, which look vastly different than the Indianapolis Colts. And so typically, man, you just you've done all the work. So on draft day, you just go by order and you should. When people talk about the best player available, it should correlate whatever you have horizontally should correlate with what goes vertically. And so the names that appear, you just take the next name. It really should be as simple as that. Regardless of need or whatever, you just keep taking good players. Your team will be a really good team, and you'll figure out how to fix the holes that you have after the draft. It's the Huddle Up Podcast, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and Bucky Brooks. And your final mock draft, I believe, is out there now, NFL.com. So, Bucky, who do you have the Jaguars selecting at number 24 overall? Well, I mean, like, you know um, – I think Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke like very intelligent guys, like high IQs, very instinctive. So they decided to make a trip probably down to the Harvard of the South, Alabama, to take Brian Branch because he comes from such a high academic college institution. This also happens to be a football power. Yeah, They're going to get Brian Branch to put him in nickel so they can up the ante when it comes to the IQ on the defense, put him in a situation where he can play multiple spots and solidify what was really a problem area for the team last season. Brian Branch's versatility, his instincts and awareness would be a perfect fit down in Duval. I think he'd be a nice fit. Yeah, I mean, they produce a lot of scholars out of that school. They really do. And certainly, if you're a defensive back for Nick Saban, John, uh, he's hands-on with the defensive backs every single day in practice. Yeah, and I guess what I'm curious about with Branch, um, I agree that I think there's a good chance he's the pick because it just feels like he's going to be available there, and he does fill an immediate need. Is he only a nickel? Um, I think nickel and deep safety are 
both positions that he can play, meaning he can play in the slot and do the things that you want to do, but he also has the ability to go in the deep half and, and split the safety. So if you wanted to see him eventually evolve and play alongside Andre Sisco in a deep half and a two-deep coverage, he can do that. But I think his value is being able to get in the slot, being able to play man or zone, being able to be a, a defender that also helps out in run support. He does all of those things. And so if he's there, I mean, we're talking about a guy who – early on in the process people were raving about didn't run as fast as some people wanted which kind of dinged his stock a little bit but in terms of the player that you see in between the lines playing the game outstanding player he'd be an upgrade bucky what's your week ahead look like busy week uh that's always a busy week but draft time is fun because all the haze in the barn we've done all the tough work we talked about all the players we ranked them we've done all the top five lists the mock drafts all the silly stuff that we have to do so now we just sit and wait we wait we analyze and then the best part of it is we get to give grades. I get to, I get to act as my inner teacher. I get to, to just go at people with the red pen and give A's, B's, C's, D's, and F's based on, based on whether I like their pick or not. It doesn't get any better than that. It's the best thing going. You and Pete Prisco with all the grades. I, all the grades. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, 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 I love Bucky. I, I think draft grades are the silliest thing of the year. Uh, oh no, no, no! Everybody because you don't wants know. to be in the National Honor Society. Right. Everybody wants to be in the National Honor Society. So look, you got to pass the grade, and as the ultimate decider, you know, I get to be professor. I get to say yay or nay, thumbs up, thumbs down. If I don't like it, I get to say it. And the best thing about it is, John, in two or three years, when the player either exceeds my expectation or disappoints. No one knows. There's no accountability for me. I get to say whatever. <laughs> At least Prisco goes back and regrades it like four yeah. years later. But Bucky doesn't uh, no, even no, care do to it. do that. He oh, we don't do it. It's you too much. Any, you do any mulligans? Like, come on, man. That's too much. Too much stuff to go back and regrade. You can't. You can't take somebody's degree after they already get it. Like, whatever grade you get at the point, that's what you get. I like that. I, I like it too. I'm looking forward, and we'll see Bucky. Not see him, but we'll be talking to him Friday, right? Yeah, a lot, a lot of Friday Bucky coverage on day two of the draft this year. You're busy on Thursday night. We'll look forward to uh, discussing things with you then, Bucky. But uh, have a great week. Enjoy the draft, and uh, we'll talk to you then. We will, man. It should be fun. You guys have a great draft week because you know what? It brings us one step closer to those mini camps. I love it. And hot. Here we go. OTA season is here. That's John Osier, Bucky Brooks. Our thanks to Brent Reaver and Joe Fortunato. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time on the Huddle Up Podcast.